This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome to another episode of My Gavorite Murder. <laughs> I told you eventually we would do that. No, I'm just kidding. I... Uh, how do we usually open? I'm. You Christopher should have Rice. saved it for next week. We're not doing a true crime TV oh, club this week. Oh, but we have a follow up about a true crime TV club. Okay, which well, is on so but this topic. is Christopher TDBS presents Christopher and Eric, like Christopher and because Eric. I'm sure that that was really like you were in doubt. So <laughs> right. just in case, just to clear that up for everybody who's listening. <laughs> right. It's unless... also it's always my favorite murder when at wherever we go. But uh, but yeah, this is actually. Uh, TDPS presents Christopher and Eric. And and he's Eric and I'm Christopher, in case you're confused, because we've deliberately confused you with this opening. Did I come up with my favorite murder or did one of our party people come up with it on our Facebook page? I don't know. Did somebody out there come up with my favorite murder? Now or don't did, is Christopher taking just taking credit for your uh, idea? But now or? you're incentivizing our party people to just take credit for. Well, they would our have idea. to prove it. I mean, they'll need to be a screenshot or something. But like <laughs> documentation right. must be submitted for you to receive I the mean, trademark next no to my favorite murder. Is a recognition, and we won't no. remember next week. So, and we may never say it again. But you know, it's your show, so we'd like to talk about you. And that is the title for today's show. It's your show. We went on to. Our, the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page, and we asked you to suggest topics and to ask us questions because you had already started to do it on another Facebook post, so Eric thought it would be a good idea to build a show around it. That said, before we get into all that stuff, we've got a couple things we want to talk about today on the show. The first is yours, Eric Shaw Quinn. Your what? campaign has apparently... Oh, my God. It's, yes, we've really... It's kind of amazing. We want to say thank you to everybody out there who joined in in our Save the Peacock campaign. Now, tell everybody what Save the Peacock is. It's not about an actual peacock. No. In fact, in California, I think they're actually working to try and get rid of them, get them to move to a different state or something. They're nightmarish creatures And in have reality. taken over neighborhoods out here, and they're like... Charging people $10,000 fines for leaving out dog food for them, which I didn't know that's what you Also, put. they apparently shriek like a, a yeah. child being murdered. Right. Yeah. And so they want people to stop feeding them so they'll leave them alone. But no, it's not those kinds of peacocks. Okay. Okay, good. What kind of peacock is it, Eric Shaw Quinn? Well, it's the kind of peacock where NBC couldn't come up with anything better to call their streaming <laughs> service. So they went with peacock. But... <laughs> Nobody at uh, apparently at NBC Universal understood what streaming meant, so there was no opportunities to actually stream Peacock anywhere when they launched it. Um, and just just for, for, for on the interest of our fact checking department, what that means is that when they launched Peacock, it was not available on Roku devices or on Amazon Fire which devices, which is like ninety percent of all streaming. I think it's like seventy percent, but the point is the same. It's a lot. Yeah, it's totally. a lot. Most of the streaming market was unable to stream. Peacock, and they just wouldn't do it. And we tweeted at them, and we begged them, and we pleaded. And then, because we care, 
Yeah, that's it. We launched the Save the Peacock campaign uh, <laughs> to encourage the folks at Universal. And, you know, and uh, we want to thank you for your contributions. We're uh, spending them on fancy hand cream. <laughs> <laughs> and, and luxury headphones. Absolutely. Um, and all of the things that we need to, you know, really uh, ensure that the Save the Peacock campaign is uh, effective. And it was so effective that Roku got in. And mm-hmm. now, as of this past week, you can now stream Peacock on Amazon. But only... Two weeks after the show has already aired, and even though you're paying for it to have no commercials, it still has commercials. So clearly somebody still needs to explain to Peacock or NBC or whoever it is how streaming actually works, but it does at least work now. Like, you can actually stream the shows. I watched the first episode of um, Brave New World, which was their... That their uh, showpiece show, their mm-hmm. NBC or Peacock original that they launched right. the franchise with, and I have not been able to see it until last week. And the show's already canceled because nobody watched it, but I would assert it's because nobody could watch it. Mm-hmm. They canceled it, but or I'm they still watching could. it. Anybody apparently could watch the first episode when Peacock launched, and then the goal was to, if you wanted to keep watching it, you had to sign up for Peacock. No, you couldn't watch it on your television. Oh, you couldn't? Well... You couldn't watch anything on your television. You had to watch it on your computer. Or oh your phone yeah, you, or whatever. you if you were an Amazon Fire right, user, that's you right. Stream yeah, it like totally. yeah. If you had something else, whatever devices they were using, I don't know what they were, but I think it, there was a TV, a brand of smart TV that Peacock came preloaded on. Anyway, we don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We just want to gloat but about our campaign. But I even have that brand of smart TV, and so no, you'd have to buy, go out and buy a whole new television. Those are yeah. the people I really feel bad for because two weeks later you could just stream it on Amazon. I know that's ridiculous. But anyway. Bought a new smart Samsung TV, which, you know, I think you'll enjoy. I've got one, and I really love it. It's not new, but, um, yeah. Okay, so that was your first experience so of using Peacock. congratulations to um, everybody at NBC Universal. Welcome to the 21st century right. already in progress. Absolutely. Um, good luck with it. And our tip is, if you're charging people extra for no commercials, there shouldn't be any. Yeah. You talk to me about this because I haven't waded too deeply into the Peacock pool yet. When are you encountering commercials on your commercial-free version of Peacock? Well, when do they pop up? After you've waited two weeks for them to finally post the episode because they don't do like Hulu and post it the next day. Mm, mm-hmm. Like I, 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 the only thing I've ever watched on my computer was an episode of Blacklist that my DVR didn't get right. The, right cable went out or something like that so mm-hmm. i had to i was forced to watch it there it took forever for them to post it more mm-hmm. than two weeks and then when i did post it it had albeit they were commercials for the network so it wasn't dirt can hide from new improved tide mm. but it was you know this week on manifest or mm-hmm. whatever um and uh yeah so it was still commercials okay all right and now Amazon will put a commercial for some of their own programs at the start of some things, but yeah. it's not very frequent. Yeah, and if you hit the um, the uh, fast-forward button once, it's gone. Okay. It jumps right past it. All right. So um, we're sort of kidding. We have no indication. That, that doesn't pe- work on Peacock. We have no indication that Peacock um, knew anything about our campaign. No one from Peacock got in touch oh, with us. I, Peacock has actually responded to my tweets. Oh, have they really? Oh, yeah. What did they say? Well, they always were like, well, if you buy this uh, program from Google and stand on your head and put <laughs> aluminum foil on your um, antenna, 
you can kind of sort of watch stuff on your regular television. It's like, or you could just get an app on Amazon, for God's sake. Now we would like to encourage Spectrum to get an app on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. Although now that I can watch L.A.'s Finest on Netflix, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I'm not sure there's another Spectrum original show I care about other than I don't LA's know Finest, because yeah. who knows what Spectrum yeah. original shows they've made because nobody can get there. Yeah. Okay. Peacock, we saved it. We Gay saved us. the Peacock. Congratulations to everybody for your participation in helping us save the Peacock. Now, if you could help us get rid of the Peacocks in, um, I don't know, Temecula what or it, wherever uh, they uh, are. Is it Rancho's Palos Verdes? Is, isn't that where they would be allowed to roam free? That's an incredibly affluent neighborhood on a little peninsula down here in Southern California. It's not that little. It's kind of no, huge. It, it doesn't jut out pretty far. It's, it's like a rounded peninsula. Like, I'm no peninsula expert, but it's not like, isn't Florida a peninsula technically? Yes, technically. Okay. It's no Florida, and we mean that in and, a good way and, and a bad so way. we're so happy yeah. uh, about that. So. But yeah. No, but it's still pretty sizable. Like you can see it for a good distance. It's it's a big. It's hill. like a mound. It often gets mistaken for Catalina Island if you're standing sort of around because our it neighborhood. sticks so far out. Yeah, totally. Okay, we have our first ever TDPS Christopher and Eric True Crime TV Club follow up here at the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. This is the uh, what is it? Gay. Gay, oh, my favorite murder. This is my, the my favorite, favorite murder, murder update. I, there's so many I'm, gay. See, we've already forgotten it. There's so many. Our apologies to whoever came up with it. There's so many gay things. It might have been Christopher. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> Stop interrupting me. There's so many gay things about our podcast that when you say gay, I have to rifle through like 50 files in my brain. So, anyway, this is about in our last episode, episode 84, we did a true, true crime TV club that covered an episode of television called A Time to Kill. That was the name of the show. The episode was called A Miami Murder Mystery. Right, I remember. It was really like that family. They were so awful. And it had a gay twist, which wasn't obvious from the synopsis that we read of the episode, but it became clear once we got into it that the victim, Henry Diaz, who was murdered, uh, was living a secret gay life that right. his family had no idea. He was murdered the night before he was supposed to leave on a cruise with his wife. And he was trying to pick up some guy, and he got rolled and murdered um, and by some thug who was two, two used thugs. The, who used a gay hookup site location. Location, yeah. He had gone to a sort of adult bookstore where gay men were known to sort of cruise for sex, as they say, and, and they had deliberately planned to target a Is gay that what man. They say? Cruise for sex. People like gays like you say cruise. <laughs> gays like me, huh? I don't remember that, but I guess anything's possible. I say an awful lot. It's That's, tough to remember. You know, all a that. lot of my gay lingo came from my mom. So it's like, she would ask me, it's like, is Brian your lover? And I would be like, we don't call them lovers. It's not French fiction. What are you talking about, lovers? He He's a boyfriend. Jordan Ampersand. I became Jordan she Ampersand. Spoke to him and she became, I don't know, maybe uh, Gloria Swanson. <laughs> is Brian your lover? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so we covered this story, and if I remember correctly... Your feeling about it was that the family was not interviewed or included in the episode of A Time to Kill that we watched because they were disavowing Henry Diaz because he had been exposed. Yeah, the as family a was the awful. It was the pets. And so I said to you that I knew there was another show that had covered this case. The show was called The Perfect Murder. We have in the past done an episode of The Perfect Murder about another crime. And I said, well, I'm going to go watch it and I'm going to see if the family participates in that. Right. One. 
The answer is no, they do not. However, what I discovered when I watched that episode was that the directors, producers, the writers, because it's like 80% reenactments, the perfect murder is. Oh, com- I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was the one where they interviewed like a judge and a prosecutor against a like dramatic green screen, and it was all talking heads, and they oh. never talked to anyone from the family. It was the same format this time. Oh, uh, yeah. This was the guy where the guy got murdered by... Um, the boyfriend of the girl who his yes he was cheating on his wife with and yeah it's like it sounds he was getting like, sober and yes yes that L A yes, he yeah. was a, he was a former college basketball yes. star yeah. yeah okay so in this one I'm getting to the part I'm like they're not mentioning the secret life they're not mentioning that the cops went on his computer and found he was meeting men for sex online right and finally we get to the end of the show. And they cut away from the same law enforcement personnel who were interviewed in the other special we watched Uh to an actor in a courtroom who delivers a completely fake version of what happened that night, which is that Henry Diaz went to a gentleman's club, which they show. They show a facade of a gentleman's club. They then go inside- neon signs of topless ladies ladies exactly and then they go inside the club where the actor who has been playing Henry is being gyrated on being given a lap dance by a woman in a bikini and then they show on top of that the two assailants chasing him to his car and Henry being a big manly man and saying I don't have time for this and shoving them off when what we know from the other special has really happened was one of them got in the car with him suggesting that they were going to have sex in the car and that they were across and then shot the, him in right. the head in the car so they show on this special the guy shooting Henry from outside the car because Henry has shoved him away they don't show the guy making any sort of sexual advances at all because what they have done has is completely. Why were they chasing him in their version? Oh, they said we're just gonna the what? So the robbers had planned, as we said, to. It was target, one of those chase him down robbers. Yeah, we're just gonna go. So we're gonna get somebody coming out of the um, gentlemen's, gentlemen's club, club and chase them that's down because the that happens. So the whole there's element, no security at those gentlemen's clubs. I mean, right on his way to his car. That's how they they just sort of like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. As opposed have to, they never been to a gentleman's club. Like, I have no idea. I've really been to a gentleman's club, but I know that there's bouncers and security out the wazulu at gentlemen's clubs. I mean. It it was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And so I, I was so freaked out by it. I went back and rewatched highlights. I said, did we, I get it? Did we both get it wrong the but first the, time? But, and I was like, no, we didn't. But it would have required the police lying to us on camera. Which they did not do. And even, I don't want to give the perfect murder any credit, but they do not show any law enforcement personnel actually supporting this story. They show an actor, a male actor in a courtroom but when the, the prosecutor was female. But the previous version did show us that. Absolutely. The, the people, the actual law enforcement people spoke directly to the camera. So they would have had to have been full on lying about it. Right. But they were really clear that when they told the family the truth, the family rejected the entire investigation. Exactly. So this, the family paid to produce this episode of... The the wife, the wife is identified in this special as Leonora Diaz, and in the previous special, she is Isabel Diaz. I don't know what to make of that. Well, she changed her name after he died because, yep. you know, she was so disgraced. Well, why didn't she change Diaz? That's actually because the last she's name. an idiot, <laughs> would be my guess, because that's why she rejected the fact that 
this truly happened to her husband. Well, that's really that's an indictment at least of perfect murder and uh, very possibly I, the family was already kind of sucko from the mm-hmm. last one. But, right. um, you know, he was lying to them and cheating. So the fact that it was gay doesn't necessarily make it OK. But, yeah. Wow. So. Big update for my favorite murder. Wow, Christopher. I mean, really. Like, it was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But I think, wow, what a warning about all of these specials that we talk about. Not just on the gay thing. When they switch over to full scripted reenactments, we may be leaving the facts completely behind. Because that's what happened in this special. We just left the facts, the known facts of the case. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. It's your show. That's the title of today's episode. Despite the evidence of that first segment where we really didn't talk about anything except ourselves and how we felt about stuff. But that's really all that's going to happen for the rest of the show. That's so. very true. But we're going to bring you up more often. So I hope that helps. And we're going to start by bringing up Amy Bellino, who I sometimes call Amy Bellino, our Florida correspondent. Right? Absolutely. Florida. Uh, she submitted multiple Discussion topics, multiple questions, but an interrogation. Exactly. I think what we're going to do is we're going to go with the one about Eric because that's usually how it goes around here. <laughs> Eric, you've mentioned living in New York in the '80s, and you moved to LA how old in nineteen. Really? <laughs> how old are you? We found photographs from the 1800s. It's like Wonder Woman. You've shown up throughout history, and we would like you to explain yourself. There was a shot of you in a fresco in uh, the south of Greece. uh, When did you move to England, and why? When? I guess it was 2000. Because when I came back, they did was the year of... um, 9-11, 9-11, so I think that I was there for in 2000. You were there when the disputed election in the Florida oh, recount happened. That actually is true. I was there yeah. for, for that. It that was, was 2000. It was really funny. I was a, I, It went on so long, I tried not to speak in public because <laughs> if anybody heard that you didn't have a British accent, if they heard you had an American accent, it was on, babe. <laughs> Wait, and how so? Like They, well, just they were like, like, well, do you want us to come in and take back over for you? You don't <laughs> seem to be able to get your country together. <laughs> I might. <laughs> want us to count votes? <laughs> Do you want the queen back? You don't seem to be doing too well on your own now. It was like everybody had something to say about it. It was like, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not there. So yeah. obviously I didn't have anything to do with it. So yeah. Yeah, that was really... Um, I was um, mad at Los Angeles. Mm. That's really the... That's the best answer. I was really... I. Like, it was a great experience for me because I was blaming Los Angeles because people are people, and I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. And so 
I was going to go somewhere where people weren't people. And what do you know? They still were. Um, that's sort of a bigger, more sort of. Mm, I know. I'm tempted to. A broader to, uh, kind of, of question I about it. I know the specifics. So. But there was um, somebody. Um, I had gotten cast in a movie. And then somebody came in and said, I'll pay for the movie. But you have to recast this part. Mine. Um mm. With my boyfriend. Like, there was a whole series of things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, My publisher dumped me. Um, Somebody stole uh, the version. uh, Madonna and Mm -hmm. Rupert Everett stole um, my version of of a a movie version of Say Uncle that I'd been working on with John Schlesinger Mm -hmm. and uh, made a terrible movie out of it um, with stuff directly lifted mm. from the adaptation. I mean, it was really, yeah, it was probably actionable, but you can't really win those things. And I didn't want to. I just, it was this sense of discouragement with the way things were going and mm-hmm. the way people were acting. And I just thought, I'll go somewhere else. And I loved London and I loved living in England and people in England are exactly the same as they are here. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like people are interested in how you look, uh, who you are and uh, yeah, and what they think you have. Like there, it is like, I would like for the world to be a more spiritual place than it is. And there are people who are exceptions to that, but it was kind of a relief. Cause it's like, then it was on me. It was like, do you want to be happy or not? Mm-hmm. You know, like denying that people are how people are is not a, is not the key to happiness. Mm-hmm. Accepting that this is how people are. Cause I'm people too, mm-hmm. you know, I'm as superficially motivated as everybody else is in the world. I can try and be a more spiritual person, and I think that's certainly a worthy endeavor. But accepting people for their true natures Mm -hmm. frees me of a lot of anger and hostility for them not being who I would like them to be. Mm -hmm. And they are not. Um, So that was really kind of beneficial. And God, I love England. I mean, what a beautiful... People were like my favorite part of living in London was the weather. Oh yeah, yeah. And people would find out I had moved there from Los Angeles, and they would go, "Why? Why did you move here from Los Angeles?" And I was like, "Oh, the weather. It's just so." My favorite. Um, I, do the weather report. The, I was going to say my favorite the, weather yeah. report the whole time that I was in England was, um, it, it will be, uh, and in the weather today it will be clear with rain and fog, <laughs> and I thought. Yes. Yes, it will. That's that's exactly more, how it please. Will be. Right. If you don't like the weather in London, wait twenty minutes and there'll be a new season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it was really much a lot more rain, a lot more cold, a lot more everything that I loved. But yeah, it was about getting. I guess I went to London to find myself. It wasn't what I went there looking for, mm-hmm. but it's I guess what I found. I got a new attitude. You got a new attitude, and you brought that attitude back to L.A. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody while I was there, mm-hmm. somebody once again somebody stole uh, "Say Uncle" and sold it to uh, CBS mm-hmm. as a as a television series. They stole the title. They used the character names. It was really one of those like, um, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're gonna steal something, do a better job yeah. of it. Uh, it was it was pretty funny, and I suggested. I actually thought, well, it's a pretty good idea. Just hire me, and mm-hmm. I'll work on it with you. And they said, no, it's completely original. We came up with it on our own. And I was like, you know, if you came up with MS DOS <laughs> on your own and called it MS DOS, 
it would still already exist and be yeah. copyrighted. So that that wouldn't make any difference. So right. no. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the series failed, and um, as because it was never terrible. it never aired. Oh right? no, it never. No. Yeah. It, they did the worst pilot. I read the script and went, oh well, this is never going on the air. Um, <laughs> What a but, relief! Yeah, but it brought me back. the uh, The legal battle brought me back to L.A., and I um, have not managed to get back to England except for visits. Yes, and um, we met then. shortly thereafter. Yes, yes, totally. We met after nine eleven. So, the, when did you 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 flew home and you were with your family for a while before you got back to Los I Angeles? I thought that I would come back because it was the legal battle that was driving me crazy. So right. my plan was to go back to. Uh, the East Coast, where my family is in South Carolina, and do the holidays with them and sort of get the thing squared away. I might have to fly out to L.A., but it would be brief and yeah. whatever. Just get the whole thing squared away while I was in sort of the same time zone because I couldn't keep doing conference calls at all those strange hours. Anyway, um, and it just kept going on, and I end- ended up moving back to mm-hmm. to L.A. from there. But I was thinking I would go back to... Uh, to London because I was I loved it I was very happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it again like like I say it was because I had come to a new understanding of the nature of life. But, right. Yeah. But the, it was, the exit plan didn't look as appealing anymore. It was that you, yeah. you encountered the same problems there. And that there were you things I needed here. to do. I needed to. I couldn't get the 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 say uncle thing to clear up, and I yeah. came out and. Sort of became okay. I'm going to be your worst nightmare now until mm-hmm. this goes away, and it eventually went away. Well, I'm. I wish they'd never stolen it, but I'm glad it went away. All right, Christopher, in the Halloween 2020 show. Oh wow, Amy knows the dates of shows and the topics. Wow. We love Amy. You referenced a strange experience with a, a Ouija board, but didn't explain. Will you share that story with us? I will. I will share that story. You you, you know this story, right? Do I? I think so. I think it'll come back to you. Yeah. Okay. It you, doesn't involve me, so I've doesn't. obviously forgotten it. It's pre-Eric. It predates Eric's uh, entry into my life. So many years ago, my mother owned a building in New Orleans called St. Elizabeth's Orphanage, which became kind of a tourist stop on the Anne Rice tour. Um, she she didn't <laughs> live. We didn't live there. Family members of ours lived there. We tried to turn most of it into uh, rental event spaces, and my dad had a gallery space in there, but it was a block. Uh, it was literally a city block uh-huh. um, on Napoleon Avenue and Britannia Street. Is it still there? In New Orleans. It's still there. It's been converted to condos. Mom sold it many years ago. Next time we go, I'll have to yeah. go take a look at it. I, I've heard about it from you, but I've, I've always wanted to see it. There was a moment where I think that there was a chapel inside of it that they maintained as a chapel and converted into like a loft-style condo. And so you can find the old real estate listings for that space online. I think if you look for St. Elizabeth's, we'll see if we can put it on the Facebook page. But anyway, I would hang out there with friends. Uh And one night we decided to test a Ouija board because I wasn't very And this was in an old orphanage. In an old orphanage. I mean, this sounds like the start of like 80% of scary movies ever made. I mean, really. And and this were was, there creepy dolls? Oh God! Every there was a doll museum, which oh. was part of the tourist. Oh thing. my God! Yeah, there was a yeah. This is really museum. yeah. This is really it was okay. So this is what we did. I left the room and went to the library, got a book, and tucked it up under my shirt. Came back into the room, didn't show the book to anyone who was on the board. Did they know you were going to go get a they book? They did. We were. This was a stage test. Okay. okay I come back in the room. We asked the Ouija board um, to spell out the name of the book, and it did. What was the name of the book? Beast. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's... B E A S T. It was Beast was a novel about a giant squid by Peter Benchley. It was a Jaws follow up years later. That's not that's incidental to the story, but I picked a title that wasn't for whom the bell tolls. You know, obviously. Yeah. But B E A the assassination and persecution of John Paul Morales. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. Or <laughs> we're still we're still there. It's been since we're still. <laughs> I think it's got it right. Can we stop? No. Um, I have not touched one since. I just haven't touched one since. It's just like freaked you yeah, out. It just freaked me out. It just freaked me out. I don't know. You know. So do you think that it was a subconscious thing that you were guiding it when you I were pushing the no? The I didn't touch the board. Oh wow! It was all people who were had not left the room, gone with me to the library, or seen the book. They remained in the room on the board while I went to the library. What kind of shirt were you wearing? It's big. I don't know, sweater or something. Oh, something thick. Oh, so you mean like? like it, do you think they could see through it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Psychic detective Eric Shaw Quinn. That's yeah. You know, like yeah. I go straight for the basic facts, but yeah, yeah. you know, there's a point after which mm-hmm. it's sort of like this departure into. So maybe there are UFOs that the government has started doing lately. It's I like know. It's on the national news. It's like oh yeah. my god. So like we're just we're going with this, huh? I know. I was reading an article this morning. There's a new term that they've come up with: UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Because they're trying to sort of move them away from the object thing because there's the new cover story is maybe they're tricks of light or they're things moving across the lens. That are, and it's like, yeah, yeah I'm no, that's not it. it. That's no. not what it is. I don't know. I think it's the proliferation of cameras. Yes. Like everything is filmed all the time and there's no saying, well, that just didn't happen or that's swamp gas or whatever. It's Absolutely. like, yeah, no, that actually went, dove into the water. You can see it hit the water and then it comes back yes. out of the water and then it flies off in the distance and it comes back and that's triangular or whatever. Yeah, it is really like, wow. And I'm really glad you said that because Steven Spielberg, after close in, in the, maybe the 80s or the 90s, he said, he didn't believe in UFOs, despite having made close encounters, because he cited in that moment the proliferation of handheld video cameras would have been capturing sightings all the time. And it was like, Stephen, A, we are getting some sightings through handheld video cameras, right. but now we're in this moment of, you're right, cameras are everywhere and cameras are going places they could never go before. And Detailed it's so much cameras. easier to get the camera like I would I would refer you to the handheld video cameras of that particular time period. Like, <laughs> right, we had one. 90 pounds, you have to go in the basement, get it out, charge it up, plug it in, put a tape in it, drag yeah. it outside. You know, <laughs> the UFO is now um, having dinner in New York. Um, <laughs> and two of you are still holding up the camera While on you're each trying side. to get the camera upstairs and turned right. on and pointed in the right direction and focused. Yeah, yeah. yeah now you just hit a button on your phone and you're recording or yeah. whatever. But I think it's the the proliferation of, of security cameras. Mm, really? Okay. Like every, everything is being filmed all the time. Like you don't have to wait and turn on your camera to capture something because that's the challenge, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's got a camera. Think of the, the events that you've seen recently that were because there was a security camera, absolutely there, like earthquakes and stuff oh. that you can't be ready for. That horrible building collapse in Miami. Yes, that everyone, I, that's a perfect yeah. example. That was a security camera. It was just focused on that particular area, and yeah. then down it came. God, yeah. it was a oh, it's disaster. Awful, awful story. But but yeah. those are the sorts of things and uh, fly, planes flying that are filming everything yes. all the time, and and as opposed to just you have to break out your camera and film yeah. something. So yeah. Anyway. 
that's really we don't once mean, again we're not talking about you we're sorry no but i i am going to bounce it back to you because i want to know if you've had any ouija board experiences well you know there's that there's the cynthia moment there's oh, the uh, there's a number the of those moment. talk about that okay talk about one and then we'll get on to people's questions but well this is my question this is your question yeah. um cynthia is um a presence in my life has been for a number of years um mm-hmm. We've gone with Ghost or whatever. It began on an evening out with friends where I said, um, you know, we were talking about wouldn't it be interesting to have a ghost to be haunted um, by a spirit? And then we began talking about what sort of of ghost we would want. And I picked Star-Crossed Lover and mm. a schoolmate of my sister's that I didn't was unaware of and mm. never heard of before had actually killed herself over a love affair and was buried in a cemetery that was adjacent to the property oh my God. where we were having this conversation. Anyway, there was a series of things that happened during the course of the, this is a much longer story. Okay. I'm not going to do this. Maybe my we Ouija, could do a Cynthia episode. We'll do a Cynthia episode maybe for Halloween this year. Um, but the, the Ouija board episode was we were playing. Cynthia travels with me. She is not in a place. She, mm occurs. I there is a particular smell that happens and events happen around me, electricity things happen. Like there's an interesting sort of mm-hmm. I become aware that she is present. Anyway, I was at a friend's house playing spades, so I was not at home. Mm-hmm. And my favorite album at that moment was um a Judy Collins album that included the song Send in the Clowns. Mm. And my friend Pam, to whom the album belonged, got up and put the album on. And I said, oh, put on Send in the Clowns. And she said, it will play when it gets to Send in the Clowns. It's a good album. We're going to listen to the whole album. So she put the needle down or hit the start button or whatever and came over and sat down at the table and Send in the Clowns began Mm. to play. And so she was like, well, that's weird. So she got up and she went back over and she hit the button again. It restarted. She sat down. And send in the clowns began to play. Wow! So we got up. She got up again, and she went over to the to the record player. And she picked up the needle and she lifted it over and put it at the beginning of it manually. Put it at the beginning of the album, and without scratching the album at all, the needle moved back across to exactly the right band and started playing "Send in the Clowns" again. Mm-hmm. At which point, I said, Cynthia. Stop it. And she picked up the needle and put it down at the beginning, and the album played normally. And everyone in the room ran screaming from the oh, building. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, yeah. It's the, there's so many of those little stories. But that's sort of my my Ouija board moment with uh, with friends. And it, it seemed the most equivalent to your do you, Ouija board story. Do you story. think Cynthia is also the reason that shitty stolen version of Say Uncle didn't get on the air? <laughs> Well, if so, I'd really like to thank you, Cynthia. That was really well done. Now, if you could get my actual version of, of, of Say Uncle on the air, I would really appreciate that. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best 
to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Okay, going back to our party people questions and discussion. Because it's your show after all. It's your show. What did I do with this question? It was a great question. Did I delete it from the notes? Somebody asked... I thought it was Lynette uh, Simonson asked how we pick the true crime specials we talk about on True Crime TV Club. But I have her is also asking, do you edit together your show? How long does it take to do a session? I think I screwed up these show notes, and I'm going to give Lynette credit for all questions going forward. Lynette asked everything that we're going to talk about from here on out. But... Um... <laughs> Are you actually looking it up I'm on Facebook? I'm going to look it up on Facebook. Because oh, like, it's their show. Because it's their show. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. Let's um, see. Where's the... Um... Okay, let's get it up. Um, uh, not up in that way, of course. Uh, up in a productive, podcasty kind of way. Well, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out as being productive. It depends on what you're trying to get done. <laughs> it depends on who's over. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to get those curtains on. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, my God. It's your show. Here we go. Okay. Um, six. There we are. And. Do, 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 do. Right? Do, 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 I don't know. We're, we're five minutes away from deciding whether or not we're going to edit this part out of the podcast. Do you? Let's see. I don't know where to look. Oh, Facebook keeps changing things. See, this is a new thing about Facebook. You were on most relevant. So now I have to switch over to all comments. Oh, you know what? This is because we have two Facebook posts that solicited interesting questions and feedback. This was when we posted a welcome back to our studio video. Oh. And we had people ask a lot of questions about... Um, why our studio setup is the way that it is. And I think that's something we can cover, too. Angelina Farmer asked that. Uh, Beth Murphy Saluga. Oh, my God. It's right in front of me. Beth Murphy Saluga asked, how do you decide what shows to watch? Do you flip Sorry, Lynette. <laughs> but, Lynette, you have become the most important person but on the dinner really party right. show. Here's your phone back, Eric Shaw. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for trying to figure that out. That's like when I blank on what our Billy Newton episodes are, and we actually stop so I can give the right episode numbers. <laughs> So how do you decide what shows to watch, Beth Murphy Saluka Do you flip asked. a coin? I don't think I've ever actually flipped a coin in my whole life. I feel it's similar to what Stephen Sondheim once said about collaboration, which is whoever is the most passionate wins. But in the case of our production meetings, it's whoever is the most prepared usually wins. Because yeah, some I weeks it's like yeah, Eric like, brings the bacon and I'm like, yeah, sure, girl. That sounds great. I think that what we're usually trying to do is find something that's relevant to the moment in which the podcast will be taking place, like if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever. Right. We're looking for something that has to do with the time. Though the podcasts, I think people listen to them at all times of the year. I'm, we don't, So we want yeah. them to try and have an evergreen quality to them. Exactly. Um, we do go for sort of momentary relevance. We did... Um, Pride Month last sure. month because it was, and those th shows will still be good and relevant. But we did specifically talk about Father's Day and right and uh, 
pride element, you know, pride related stories. So, you know, I think that there's that. Um, seasonal. It feels like we, we make choices that are seasonal, but we don't chase headlines because we want these podcasts to kind of live forever and be enjoyable forever. Right. Although we do often go with things that are um, a coral. You know, mm-hmm. there's um, we did the uh, I'll be gone in the. I'll be gone in the dark. Right. Really informed a whole stretch of stuff that we did mm-hmm. um, for a while. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. Things that we've enjoyed, uh, popular mo- movies that we've watched, or things that were our particular favorites of us. We will sometimes talk about yeah. that. We did the um, Ideal Home. Mm-hmm. That was a which pride is a month. movie I had yeah. loved. Yeah, I'd seen kind of by accident and really loved it, and thought um, since it was a apparently top secret that it was ever made or released. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, but yeah, because it had, you know, gay people in it mm-hmm. and we wouldn't want anybody to watch a movie about that. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, but it was really sort of a great, um, so that was about an effort to share, but it was also in keeping with the moment that that was airing. So I think it's that sort of thing. It has to do with relevance. Yes. I, what we don't do is watch, we'll often watch the episodes cold. Like, we don't watch the episode and then decide we're going to oh, do we it. always, yeah. Right. We want to have the reaction that you might have as just a person watching the episode so that you can sort of have that experience Yeah, sometimes us. we hate them yeah. and they're terrible and we say so because, you know, not because we want to be negative, but because that was our reaction to seeing it. Yeah. But I, I think as consumers of this kind of material, a lot of people feel this way, which is there's there's having strong opinions about a crime, and then there's, as we addressed earlier in the show, having strong opinions about how the crime is being covered. Later in the month, we're going to be talking about the story of Richard Jewell, and that's a lot of conversation about the media and how they covered that story. So we do our own version of that, and I think as we saw at the top of this episode, sometimes we're lied to. By the people covering the case. Right. And particularly in this entertainment meets journalism world that we're sort of critiquing it's and reviewing. Kind of beginning, that's happening around us. Yeah. yeah. It really is very key to the, the overall discussion. Also, we don't always agree. Like, no. I enjoy the craptacular shows more than Christopher does. Mm-hmm. Christopher kind of hates that. I think there is a certain aesthetic in craptacular reenact um, crime reporting. Yeah. Reenactments. And, and I mean, I'm sorry, but today is a huge strike against reenactments in the history. We were lied to via reenactments yeah, that was in the really, Perfect Murder. Yeah, in the anyway. Perfect Murder series. We should maybe do a thing on perfect, the Perfect Murder series and look at like a fact check facts and right. you know like see if there is an episode a different episode of that one because I had feelings about that other one where I was like that's really when this crime happened this was not my impression of this crime their their from prior- local coverage they, right and their priority is to put together an entertaining hour of television that's going to get ratings they are not constrained by any sort of no. journalist again it's not the news to their limited credit this episode of the perfect murder had a giant disclaimer pop up on the screen at the very beginning where it was like this is a scripted giant murder. one letter at a time <laughs> it's like that fucking email you printed out before we started the show eric was like i'm going to test the printer ahead of everyone else trying to test the printer and you that you had this email on zoom so it was like a 90 page I email guess so. it was really funny the letters were enormous three words a page yeah okay we can talk about our way of talking about true crime for the whole episode, but we got a couple episodes about our studio. I posted the video I mentioned on yeah. the Facebook page. 
people wanted to know why our studios, they all were very nice, and I know that's important to you because Eric was the design force behind the TDPS studio. Oh, yeah, but you're allowed to hate it. I wouldn't, I could deal with that. I, it's not your studio, so fuck off. But uh, who sits in the fancy chairs? I'm pointing at them right now. Who sits at the fancy chairs? Those are the sort of elaborate sitting chairs that are off to the side of our recording table, if you will. The idea for the original plan for that was Entourage. Because we have, um, we did celebrity guests. Yeah. And so um, Jackie Collins' mm-hmm. um, PR guy sat there. Right. And uh, we've had those sorts of people. People were part of the, who came with the, the person. If they wanted, we wanted them to be comfortable in the room and we provided a, a space for them that accommodated them but was just sort of off to the side. Because, you know, sometimes you have people who come with you. There's a green room, um, obviously, but but we wanted to be able to accommodate those particular people if they brought them with them. And that happens sometimes. It yeah. didn't happen a bunch, but we wanted it to be – we didn't want them to feel like – the idea was for it to be like a nice dinner party, and we didn't yeah. want them to feel like it was – an imposition mm-hmm. for them to need for their PR person to sit there or, I don't know, God forbid, their lawyer or whatever. Yeah. This was really developed for with an eye towards those live interviews that we did as part of the Dinner Party Show, which is all those podcasts are available at the dinnerpartyshow.com. But we have kept this because we value ourselves as well and we want to be comfortable and in a nice yeah. space. Let's talk about the drapes. I don't think anybody specifically asked about the drapes, but... Our, our whole wall behind you currently is covered in these gorgeous red drapes with this big dripping valance, I believe yeah, is what that's called. Waterfall, I think. Yeah, it's the, called waterfall the waterfall valance. valance, yeah. And it sort of became our brand. You bought those drapes from. Well, we actually got those drapes from J.C. Penny mm-hmm. because Ellen. DeGeneres. We we were looking for drapes, and clearly I've made a mistake in career choices mm-hmm. because my God, have you priced drapes? <laughs> we were getting bids like, yeah, we can put you for twenty thousand dollars. We'll do your drapes. And it was like, what? Um, yeah. So that was happening as I was doing the shopping, and then Ellen DeGeneres was chosen by J.C. Penney's to be their um, spokesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while back, but. Uh, the million moms page, the forty thousand million mm-hmm. moms um, from Facebook or whatever, right. the the forty thousand bigot moms mm-hmm. um, decided that they should boycott J C Penney because God forbid uh, a gay person should mm-hmm. uh, tell us where to buy our cover girl or whatever she was selling mm-hmm. um, for our jeans or all the you know high tone J C Penney stuff. So. Um, I looked, and it turns out they had a really nice drapery department and good prices and were able to do these custom drapes for us. So we bought the drapes from JCPenney. And you let them know why. Oh, yeah. We are buying, yeah. The reason we are here shopping with you is because you picked Ellen DeGeneres. So not only are we not boycotting you, we've got money to spend, and we're spending it with you because you supported us. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we felt like that was fair as fair. So the chair question was asked by both Angelina Farmer and Natalie Goodermanson. Oh, I'm so sure I didn't pronounce Natalie's last name correctly. My yeah. apologies, Natalie. Natalie had another question. If you were to feature another guest on the podcast, who would you want to have in first now that it's safe? Well, 
probably our first choice is going to be uh, the detective who's worked. Yes. We've been working with on the um, Cavallari. What's the John, John Lamberti? Lamberti. Lamberti. Little Lamb. Just made up a whole new name. Just think, Little Lamb. Just think of a little lamb, and you'll remember John. He's yeah, nothing I like a little. Don't lamb. Don't know that I'm ever going to think of a little lamb when I think of John. But yeah, he's we we've talked with him before, and. Uh, Great guy and yeah. really interesting, and these other stuff, the other cases that he's talked with us mm-hmm. about. So, um, yeah, he is somebody who I would be really keen um, to have drop by, uh, just yeah. because you know we're already sort of in conversation with him, and so I think it would be um, interesting, and it would be nice to actually meet him in person. We've we've interviewed him before, but it was remotely. So yeah, I, I'm the sort of the same as you. I think if we were to have another interview in the short term, I would want it to be true crime related, preferably related to a case. Maybe we've already talked about, if not the Billy Newton case, which we have talked about on an right. ongoing basis. This is when I pick up my phone so I can give you the actual numbers and of the episodes. I'm trying to think if there's anybody like, God, I would love to have Michelle McNamara on, but um, God rest her that's soul. not going to yeah. happen. Um, but if there was somebody writing a true crime book that was really had really caught our eye or doing a true crime series that we really liked, yeah. Um, that might be an interesting way to go to do a whole series or whatever. There's the the fellow who did the murder, the the true crime series about his mom on HBO. I can't remember. I write murder in Middle Beach. Is yeah, that what something it's like that. I and haven't it, seen it's it. It's personal, and it's so yeah. he might be interesting. Although I might hate the series, so we'll see. We'll um, see. I know there's. I a, haven't watched it yet. There so. is a hazard in talking publicly about something before you've seen it or watched it and saying I want to watch it because then people are like, "What did you think?" And if you don't want to trash it, you're on the spot. I do want to watch it, and yeah. people are welcome to ask me that. And I'll tell them. <laughs> that's that's the risk of being friends with me is that I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> the risk of Eric is the truth. Okay. Uh, we I just mentioned this previously, but we talk a lot here about an unsolved homicide here in West Hollywood, the murder of Billy Newton, which happened thirty over 30 years ago now. Uh, the episodes of our show on which we cover that case are 37, 48, 60, 63, and 74. Episode 63 is our interview with Detective John Lamberti, who you just mentioned. Oh, we'd like um, to do, I, maybe interview in the studio. Got in touch with us as a result of our conversation about Still, the murder. the most amazing yeah. thing that's maybe ever happened on the show. Is the, episode. The police contacted us. We were like, you're kidding, right? This is like something out of a, the, a book well, I Well, and write. they contacted us and they were like, we have some questions about the noise you're making in your apartment. <laughs> it wasn't like that either. No, they wanted, they were, the investigation we had done got their attention and they wanted more of the details of the stuff we had found out, which was, Wow, we yeah. were very impressed that we had done anything that would be anything that would that would garner the attention of the people who might actually get Billy Justice because that was really the thing we were hoping for. And then subsequent to that, in episode 74, we were joined by Rachel Mason, who is a documentarian many of you may know as having directed and basically lived Circus of Books, which is on Netflix and is a Ryan right. Murphy production. She is looking into Billy's story planning to do a documentary series about it. She comes on episode 73 to talk about where she is at with that. So that's our regular Billy Newton update. Not an update, but a reminder. Um, we have an email address for tips, uh, williamnewtoninvestigation at gmail.com. Those episodes I mentioned will lay out the facts of the case for you, but I think we want to specifically reach out to anybody who was in the Hollywood or West Hollywood area around Halloween time in 1990 who might have been visiting gay bars and clubs. Look at the story that we have managed to unearth around that case. See if there's something you can add to it. 
if you have photographs from that time period, this right. is your idea. If you were at the Halloween Street Festival in West Hollywood in 1990 and you took pictures, all of that could be relevant to this case because we're trying to rebuild the last movements of a young gay man who was presumably abducted and murdered after leaving a West Hollywood nightclub. Nobody's on... entirely sure except yeah. the, the tragic ending. Yeah. Switching gears in the time that we have left, which isn't very much because Rachel Maddow is coming on after us and it's not our own podcast and we could actually do it for as long as we fucking want. <laughs> Rachel Maddow is not coming on after <laughs> us. This is our network. Gina Rodden asks, for someone starting small with a podcast, what equipment is needed? Not all of this, so don't be intimidated by the photographs of our studio. This was set up as a live recording space. Right. This was when we thought that that we were doing a radio show. Like, this was yeah. built to be a radio station. We used to broadcast 24 hours a day um, from this space, and we recorded here and did production here, and it was a, a comedy variety show. So it was a much more elaborate space. I think that you can get... A few items, like I think there are kits oh that are God. available. Uh, that you a computer, can you need together. a laptop and some microphones. A decent yeah. microphone would probably be a good choice, yeah. and um, some kind of um, headset so that you can hear yourself, so that you're not recording yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, you will have feedback if you are not listening to yourself on a head. If audio, if your audio is coming out of your computer back at you, it'll really screw things. Christopher up. did a live interview recently oh that God. was very good. It was a great interview, and we're not going to name any names, but somebody in the interview didn't wear a headset, and so oh it was like it was like they were doing the interview in a cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't feedback, but the their voices were much more magnified. It was kind of great. Yeah. Okay, so if we didn't have time to get to your question, um, we apologize, but maybe we'll do another episode like this and we'll hold on to it. Is there anything that I skipped over that maybe you want to get to, Eric? I don't mean to silence you. It is your podcast, too. Um, you know, the only thing, the, the only one that I would want to reach out about is uh, Samiko. Mm, yes. Brought up that, I, A, Samiko says, um, 1856 is a long time ago, but I would love to see a true crime podcast about the true story that was the inspiration for Toni Morrison's beloved, oh my the God. Margaret Garner story. True story. I didn't know that was a true story. Yeah. Um, so I was blown away by this. Um, I think that would be something I would love to hear, too. And I would think Samiko should do that. Samiko, go, girl. Do it. <laughs> you, yeah. you should do that podcast, girl. I think yeah. that's amazing. I think that's a great idea, and I think you may be the guy to do it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was my reaction. It's like, why are you asking me? I, well, and, and like that was- You're, She's an author, and I, yeah. Yeah, I think- and, All right, Samiko. You're on the spot the, now. <laughs> and has the information. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but no, I want but, to encourage you, because I think that's a great idea, and I think- you're the perfect person for it. Yeah, totally. Because as we said, the podcasting equipment demands are not very much. No. They're really not a much. A good microphone and a nice headset. And then, I don't know, you already know, you already at least aware of it. I, yeah, totally. I had no idea that well, was a Well, we should be story. clear for people who do not know about Beloved. Beloved is a supernatural tale. It's it's a, it's a very um, metaphorical and politically urgent tale about the horrors of slavery and, and family and survival for uh, slaves of the period. So to hear that there's an actual story it's based on, it's not just a murder mystery from Blown the away. past. I it's actually... no idea because it's so poetic. It's right. so lyrical. Totally. Um, I had no idea that it was a true story. And the author of the book that was the basis for the movie, uh, Toni Morrison, uh, 
one of our literary legends passed away recently. I'm yeah. sorry to say. Um, so all right, so we have left Samiko with a challenge. So yeah, so a challenge to Samiko. I just didn't, I just felt like I had to say something because when I saw that, I was like, well, yeah. I know who should do this podcast. And I, I think, and also in the time we have left, which I keep adding to because it's our podcast. Dwayne Keith asked us if we've ever done any. Thing on Steve Hodell. His father was a physician and actually and a suspect. And we kind of have. In the Black Dahlia murders, and he believes his father was the killer. Pretty fascinating stuff. Wonderful, dramatic, scripted television series that didn't get enough attention called Amazing. I Am the Night. It was on TNT, which Chris I believe. Pine. Can you So it would probably be HBO on Max. HBO Max. Yeah. I can't say that for sure. I didn't check that before this moment, but yeah just loved it. It was kind of out there. It's the same director. It's the woman who directed... Patty Jenkins. Who directed yeah. um, a super... Wonder Woman. One, Wonder Woman. I can't keep my superheroes straight. <laughs> Superwoman. Super yeah, you know. You know her. Superwoman. Superwoman. Yeah. She's super. She's Every great. now and again, I'm the old guy. Mm-hmm. And it comes... It sneaks in. Um, but, uh, yeah. she. It was really... It was really unexpected yeah. show just wild and kind of like like I'm not I, it was clear she hadn't made television a bunch and so she didn't wasn't constrained by norms of television making it was no. amazing and I really would recommend it to anybody I totally enjoyed it and it was very much about that story absolutely all right, all right. That has been a nicely packed episode. That is really enough now. That is enough <laughs> of it being anyone else's show but ours. Knock it off, the Knock two it of off. you. On our next episode, True Crime TV Club returns as we serve up an episode of 2020 entitled Taken. That is season 43. I love that we did two different 2020. 2020. I don't like saying the same thing twice. I like to spice it up on the second round. 2020 entitled Taken, which is season 43, episode 27. That's available on Hulu and at ABC.com. Standard disclaimer, you you can enjoy True Crime TV Club without having watched the episode. We have an extensive follow-up message from Cindy Conforti, which I will not disclose because it was a personal message. However, it reiterates that the, she supports the Cindy Conforti rule <laughs> and that our version of these often commercial, commercial-filled and repetitive specials is way more enjoyable than watching it So on you have television. Cindy's recommendation Cindy. there that just, just let us tell you the story. So it'll be spoiler-rific. Um, yeah. Don't let, if you want to re- watch the show for yourself, watch it beforehand or pause it and watch it or whatever. Yeah. But um, we definitely will be telling retelling the story. Absolutely. And until then, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents <laughs> Christopher and Eric, also known as My Favorite Murder. Thanks. This is TDPS.